Well, here it is, folks. Part two of episode 27, where Scott and I discuss the conference championship games from last weekend, the college football playoff, and much, much more. So let's just get right to it. Two generations. One passion. This is Generation Red. There were a lot of conference championships games on Saturday, but I'm going to talk about six of them because all six of them could have had a had implications in the playoff itself, um, except for Pac-12. I think that was a done deal, but it's still a Power 5 conference, so we'll talk about it. But uh, first up, the SEC, number three, Alabama dominates number one, Georgia, 42-24. to Now, either this is an indication that Georgia really wasn't all that, all year long, even though they play in the SEC, or it's an indication that they kind of rested on their laurels because they're like, we're in the playoff already. Or the SEC makes a double playoff portion of the cash for getting two teams in, and they basically paid Georgia to lay down. The way they played, they looked like they laid down. But hey, I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I'm just speculating here. But yeah, 42 to 24, Alabama beats Georgia. I know you didn't get to see much of the game, but were you kind of surprised by that score? You know, the more I thought about it as I was watching the game kind of play out, I was out shopping with my wife for Christmas, and the more and more I did think about it, yeah, I I don't think that Georgia... I don't know if there were any bagmen rolling around behind the scenes telling them, hey, you know, like, (laughs) just drop this game. But at the same time, there is kind of a a psychological advantage you know you can have if let's say you you lose against uh or you beat alabama somehow actually no now that i think about it if they beat alabama i don't think alabama finds their way into the college football playoff um but right shoot i don't know uh it the way it looks like to me that Georgia just probably got just beat. I think Alabama had something to fight for, and Georgia, honestly, if they know anything about the college football playoff committee, and I'm sure they do, and SEC bias, and I'm sure they do, they Mm -hmm. knew even if they lost that game, they were going to still be in the college football playoff. It didn't matter. Um, And if they had anything to hang their hat on, well, we'll just go beat them the second time, which as – as you alluded to with the Pac-12 championship, it's not always the case that you can uh, that you can win the second bout. Um, but <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think with uh, I, what I'm what I'm upset about, and we'll get into it, is that Georgia only fell to number three. I think uh, it's kind of kind of a shame. I think that Alabama should have been bumped up to number two. Michigan should have been bumped up to number one. And I think Georgia should have dropped to number four. 
That's just my opinion. I which we'll get, mm-hmm. we'll kind of hash that out some more. But um, yeah, yeah, it was it was kind of a it was an all Alabama game. Georgia really couldn't produce much. They looked like they had some fight in them, but from what I could tell, whenever I was able to pull up my YouTube TV app, it just it looked like Alabama all the way. They looked like they were the ones with a with a with a mm-hmm. fire underneath their ass, ready to win a game. And Georgia just kind of, you know, that dominating defense just couldn't figure out a way to stop Alabama, which Auburn figured out a nope. way to do. It just, it just seemed odd. It seemed odd. Um, dynamics are weird. Momentum is weird. Uh, player individual performance is weird, and it just, it was a weird game, like all together. The bits that I got to watch of it, it looked like Georgia didn't care. Yeah. They just did. They looked like they were flat and they just showed up and were like, well, we got the best defense in the country. We've been killing everybody and yeah, we'll just show up and we'll win a close game and call it good. And then they got punched in the mouth and I think they quit pretty early. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's the SEC. Um, I'm going to skip the Big Ten game until the end because that one is so exquisitely joyful to talk about. Um, number nine, Baylor holds off number five, Oklahoma State on a last second goal line stand. Uh, 21 to 16, which um, I was thinking Oklahoma State was going to win. I really did. Uh, that offense is incredible, but dang it. Baylor just did not give up anything down in the in the red zone. I think they doinked a couple of field goals. Oklahoma State did, and it just was not a good game. And uh, they were in position. Had anybody, had Oklahoma State won, and Alabama lost to Georgia in the SEC title game. Oklahoma State was in prime position to move into that four slot. And yep. they blew it. So, I mean, they literally, on fourth in inches, couldn't get in the end zone. Uh, <laughs> on a sweep play type deal with the uh, running back. It was just, Baylor made it happen. So, kudos to them. ACC, uh, number 15, Pitt, Rocks, number 16, Wake Forest, 45-21. to 21. A 24-point win was the last thing I expected. I kind of expected Wake Forest to put up the 45 with the way that offense had been humming most of the year, but Pitt had their number. Uh, Pac-12, Utah plays Oregon for the second week in a row and absolutely smokes them, 38-10, to because uh, Utah plays that old-school brand of football, run it down your throat. And keep running it until you stop it. And apparently, Oregon doesn't know how to stop it yet. <laughs> to the nope. tune of 38 points. And then the AAC championship game, which I watched much of it once I finally figured out how to make my YouTube TV app work. Um, Cincinnati, number four, handled number 21, Houston, 35 to 20. Wasn't really that close. I mean, no. it was close for the first half, but the second half, Cincinnati just went off in the third quarter. And it was too much. Houston couldn't come back. So uh, that was exciting. It was a fun game to watch. I think Cincinnati, which we can talk about here in a little bit, but I think Cincinnati has the ability to stay with Alabama because they have an outstanding secondary. And uh, Alabama is down their top wideout because it looks like he has a torn ACL or some sort of injury that's going to keep him out of the playoffs. So um, Alabama versus, yeah, that's going to be a fun game. Um, and then the Big Ten Championship. Number two, Michigan. I didn't even write down the ranking for the for the Hawkeyes because I don't give a shit. 
I don't care. They were pretenders, obviously, when they barely beat us by seven points because we literally handed them the game on a silver platter. Uh, and then they show up at a Big Twelve champion, Big Ten championship game and manages three points. So Michigan, number two Michigan, hucks the Hawkeyes, 42-3. to three. And as you said, I agree. I think Michigan should have been given the number one spot. Uh, but they didn't because, let's be honest, they're not in the SEC. And ESPN is the one hosting everything. So um, is what it is. But uh, again, the Hawkeyes were not, they were 10-2, and two, but it was a very advantageous 10-2. and two, A 10-2 and two that they accomplished through mostly turnovers and taking advantage of other teams' mistakes, but not necessarily going out there and just plain beating people. I mean, they lost to yep. Purdue, for God's sakes, um, in their house. And they got their brakes blown off of them by Wisconsin, which Wisconsin, yeah. granted, had a really strong second half of the season. But, I mean, after you get beat by Purdue, I mean, you got to go win that game against Wisconsin, and they did not do that. And yep. there aren't any wins on their schedule that you can look at besides their win against Penn State, which Penn State ended up being kind of a meh, his meh right. team. Um it's just it, it was just so joyous to watch Michigan blow them out. <laughs> and I mean, the Hawkeyes had a few opportunities. I think what was it? There was like some trick play that Michigan like did that I think it was like their running back tossed it downfield and they got they scored a touchdown off of it mm -hmm. and then iowa went to go do the same thing and it in theory should have worked but whoever they threw the ball to just dropped the ball and yep. it was just a cascading effect from that point and only put three points up on the board uh it mm -hmm. it was just joyous and honestly i kind of was happy for michigan they finally they finally shedded uh ohio state off their back they get to the first Big Ten championship to win their first Big Ten championship since 2004, I think it was. Uh -huh. um, and they got to do it against probably, I think if they played against uh, if they played against uh, Wisconsin, it would have probably been a way closer game. Uh, so they actually kind of got off mm -hmm. got off lucky playing against the lowly state of Iowa um, and their absolute garbage offense. Um, and it, terrible it was, corn. <laughs> yeah, you can't forget their awful corn. They were constipated the whole game. Um, yeah, they played like it. <laughs> yeah, they played like. Shit. Um, so, mm -hmm. yeah, man, I'm, I, yeah, I, I think we can go over into the college football playoffs so we can expand more on our thoughts about Michigan, Alabama, Georgia, Cincinnati, etc. Um, yep. But do you have any other thoughts on the Big Big Ten championship game? No, other than the fact, uh, yeah, you said it. Well, you 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 said everything that needed to be said. It was a joyous experience watching somebody besides Ohio State not only win the Big Ten championship and get into the playoff, but absolutely gutter stomp the uh, Hawkeyes in the process. That was just it was a win win. We have to live vicariously through other teams because until we figure out how to pull our own head out of our asses, until we can hear that big pop, we're just going to have to live vicariously through the people who beat Iowa. Uh, so the fact remains, my favorite two teams on the planet are uh, Nebraska and anybody that plays Iowa. So... 
Anyway, let's move on to the college football playoff. As we, I actually listened to the selection show today on ESPN while I was shopping in Walmart, uh, just because I wanted to know, uh, instead of having to Google it later. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, it was number one, Alabama moved up to number one, debatable. Um, number four is Cincinnati. So they will square off in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl in Arlington, Texas at Jerry World. And then the game in the Orange Bowl, the I can't remember what it is. It's not FedEx Orange Bowl anymore. Capital One Orange Bowl is uh, number two, Michigan versus number three, Georgia. Now that is going to be a ball game. And I I think Cincinnati can hang with Alabama for probably three quarters, and maybe that'll be about it. But uh, Michigan and Georgia, that's going to be a ball game. I think Georgia does not know what they just got themselves into by not beating Alabama when they should have. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think those both of those dynamics uh, that you just mentioned are going to be very intriguing. Uh, with Cincinnati, didn't you say that their quarterback is injured? No, Alabama's he- Alabama's starting wide receiver, their number one wide receiver, is out. Looks like he's oh, going to be out I for don't, the playoff. I don't think uh, the Cincinnati quarterback is injured. No. Okay. I I had to ask you that because I was sitting there looking at some stats from something that was irrelevant when you were talking. I should probably not do that. <laughs> and uh yeah, so I'm looking at Cincinnati and Alabama. I think Alabama might get on their heels simply for the fact that they're going to think they're just going to roll over Cincinnati. I doubt that Nick Saban's going to feel that way. But whether or not his players, which have proven to be undisciplined throughout this year and have had to play like very close football games that we don't normally see Alabama in, uh, there's a I I think there's a good chance that Cincinnati could find a way to just have Alabama on their heels the entire game and find a way to win, and that would make just me happy more than more than happy. I'd be overjoyed. Um, yeah. But then, yeah. But then the same dynamic with Michigan and Georgia. I think Georgia might just be thinking, yeah, whatever. It's Michigan, you know. Like they're lesser than Ohio State. They got lucky, you know. They got Ohio State on a bad day or something like that. And I think that both Alabama and Georgia might have a little bit more to bite off than they can chew with these games. And it would make me just so happy to see. Cincinnati knock off Alabama and Michigan knock off Georgia and knock out both yeah. SEC teams out of the finals and have just a just an absolutely cool college football dynamic where you've got Michigan that hasn't hasn't even had the opportunity to get into a playoff and since the implementation of it in 2014 yeah 2014 yep uh and Cincinnati being a Cinderella group of five school, I mean they're going into the they're going into the Big Twelve here soon, but uh, it's it's just awesome. I think that would be awesome, and just to watch the SEC just wallow in their misery, having both of their <laughs> betrothed, uh, you know, crown jewel teams that find at least one of them find their way into the college football playoff every single year just have them both choke and that would just make me happy. I don't know if it'll happen. I, 
weirdly enough, I feel like Cincinnati has a better chance of beating Alabama than Michigan has a chance of beating Georgia. If I if I'm taking a hot take, that's my hot take. Mm, uh, wow. Okay. Uh, it it's just this year. This year, Alabama, like I said, they haven't been the typical like archetypal dominating force that we've seen Alabama be. And if there's anything that I have confidence in in Alabama, it's their their ability to underestimate their opponents. And Cincinnati is a perfect, perfect scenario for underestimation. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I still think that there's also that same subject matter with Georgia not being mm-hmm. ready for Michigan. But I think that Georgia... Uh, probably has a little bit more of a chip on their shoulder considering the fact that out of these four teams, they're the only ones who took an L this weekend. So they're going to have a little bit more fire under them, I believe. Um, But I think Michigan, they've got a chip on their shoulder too. I think that Harbaugh and company, I think they they have the trophy set Mm -hmm. in their sights and they – want nothing less than the natty so yep. yeah i i think he's gonna have i think uh yeah i think harbaugh's gonna have his guys dialed in and it would make me happy to see georgia go undefeated for their entire season only to have back-to-back losses that would be pretty that would be pretty sick and then also have <laughs> alabama lose like that's that's what i want i think that's what everybody wants i think everybody wants alabama yeah. and georgia to lose um whether or not that'll happen i don't know but that's my hot take. Cincinnati well, beats Alabama. Well, my hot take is Michigan beats Georgia. I'm not sure about Cincinnati against Alabama. I think I think Cincinnati will hang with them for most of four quarters. I don't know if they get it done, but I think Michigan beats Georgia. If anything, because Cincinnati ends up doing the improbable and beating Alabama, and there's a reason, because there's still a tie to Ohio State where Cincinnati is concerned. Luke Fickle yep. was defensive coordinator at Ohio State back in the 2000s, back during the Jim Trestle years. In fact, he was the interim head coach at Ohio State when we beat them for our first Big Ten win back in 2011 with the biggest comeback in Memorial Stadium history. Uh, so, yeah, who? why wouldn't Harbaugh want a shot at Luke Fickle if he happens to beat Alabama? And that would be just a great storyline. And... That and the fact that ESPN has got to figure out how to do an entire championship broadcast without completely bathing Nick Saban's with their tongues. Because that's what they do. <laughs> that is what they do. Not, not literally, of course, just rhetorically. But dear God, it would be so nice to have a playoff game where ESPN has got to figure out how to talk up two teams that aren't from the SEC. Uh, so, which really kind of leads us into some of the stuff I found on the Twitterverse. Oh, this stuff is good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Former linebacker at Texas, Emmanuel Acho, his older brother, Sam Acho, also played at Texas. He works at, I think, ESPN. He's one of the commentators. Uh, tweeted this the other last night and said, how do we know SEC bias is real? Georgia lost by 17 points in the conference championship game, and their best win is versus 9-3 and three Kentucky. Yet we won't even, quote-unquote, consider putting them outside the top four because, well, SEC. 
And he, I think he's speaking in the purview of the committee where he says, we view all SEC teams as good, so losses mean less and wins mean more, which is exactly what I've been saying all along, especially once the playoff came along. That's a perfect example or like a perfect like sentence to summarize SEC bias. Yep. Absolutely, completely agree because to me, I, I differ from you and who I think the top four should have been. I think the top four should have been number one, Michigan, number four, Cincinnati, number two, Georgia, number three, Alabama. Make those guys play each other again and earn their way into the title game, but they don't get to play each other for the title. I think it's bullshit that there's a chance that Georgia and Alabama get to play each other for a title. And I heard Greg Sankey, AD at Iowa who is the chairman of the committee, actually say, well, we just didn't think it was right to rematch Georgia and Alabama right away in the playoff. And I'm like, why not? Why not? Both of them have one loss now. Put them at two and three and make sure that it isn't an all-SEC final. And to me, this just, the bias is clear. They want the money. They want the money that the eyeballs of SEC fans will bring by watching the championship game between Alabama and most likely Georgia. At least that's what everybody thinks. Um, so anyway. No, I like I like that. I like that take. I think that the way you laid it out with Alabama being number three or did you say Alabama number two? Yeah, Alabama number two. Yeah, Alabama and two, Georgia, Georgia drops three. to three. Because I mean, they're already number three. And I think mm-hmm. that there's it just doesn't... The way Michigan played against arguably, you know, you know, it's very easy to argue that Iowa was bad. Um, they should have, they should have <laughs> yeah. earned the number one spot. I understand the dynamic of okay, Alabama beat the number one team, mm-hmm. that therefore makes them the number one team. Yeah, no, no, it's not. It shouldn't be like that. If 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 Michigan is in number like, if Alabama was in the number two spot. And they went against, say, a number four Georgia, and Michigan's in the number three spot, and they beat, let's say, you know, number one Ohio State or something. Actually, you know what? Just check all that. I'm done with that. I don't want to sit there and figure that all out in my head. I just realized I I wasn't doing a very good job at it. So I'm just going to stop that. I know what you mean. Um, It just... Yeah, I think that that athletic director for Iowa is like probably a perfect example of what all of the individuals that make all these votes think. They're like, oh, it's not fair. They shouldn't have to face each other again. Like, no, Mm -hmm. no, make them play each other again and solidify the possibility that or solidify the result that only one SEC team finds their way into the final. I just hate, mm-hmm. like, God, like, I don't really care to watch the SEC championship. What makes me want to watch an all-SEC national championship again? Like, I don't want to see that. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, it just isn't, it's uh, it's not appealing to me. Um, but that's also, I'm biased, you know, I'm biased like everybody else, so... Um, that pretty much wraps yep. up my thoughts on that. Um, you have a couple other tweets that you wanted to wanted to <laughs> mention here. Yeah, uh, a, a Michigan fan on Twitter. Uh, he's at Umich Wolverine One. 
said, wrote this, Michigan versus the Big Ten West. Wisconsin beat them 38-17. Northwestern beat them 33-7. Iowa 42-3. Nebraska 32-29. Nebraska really is the best worst team ever. (laughs) 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 And and I was laughing when I read that, but at the same time, I was just kind of like wiping a tear like, dear God, 10 plays, 10 plays throughout the course of the entire season end up different. This team's nine and three or eight and four, just 10 plays. Yep. So yeah, it's just crazy. Um, <laughs> that one cracked me up. That one's pretty funny. <laughs> it pretty much summarizes how all Husker fans feel about it right now. And you can go yeah. to, you can go to all the YouTube comments of like PCS highlights. I will always shout that guy out because I yep. mean, he just does a really good job highlighting all NCAA football, but you just go in there like Nebraska really be out here being the best three and nine team uh, in history uh, or the worst. Yeah. The best, the best three and nine team. Yeah. I did say that right. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's like, I can't bash my face against a desk like enough times <laughs> to numb the pain of how true that yep. is. Um, but yeah, yeah, you got one more tweet. What's this one? Well, from Husk guys, the guys that Ah, are eternally optimistic and catch a lot of crap for it, but God bless them for staying that way. LSU recruiting rankings under Mickey Joseph as the lead recruiter. 2021, they were fourth in the nation. 2020, they were fourth. 2019, they were third. Hmm, Go figure. Uh, 2018, they were 14th. Oh my God, a down year. I bet they wanted to fire him. Uh, And in 2017, they'd ended up eighth in the nation as the lead recruiter. And you know what? I've read a lot of people on Twitter. In fact, on this particular tweet, there was a lot of dudes underneath uh, in the comments that were talking, yeah, well, that was at LSU. That wasn't at Nebraska. It's harder to recruit to Nebraska. True. Absolutely true. But they also forget that Mickey Joseph was really, really good at developing those guys and making them into what they ended up being, which was historical offense explosive offense in 2019 to win a national championship. So yeah, that was pretty cool. I thought that one, that one was definitely worth talking about. Thanks Hus guys. That was great. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, thanks Hus guys. They're, they are always eternally optimistic as you stated. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So what I've got today for Reddit rants, which is, uh, you know, dad wants to do his, uh, his into the Twitter verse or tweets or whatever. Um, I don't really do Twitter, so I just kind of scroll around on the uh, the neckbeard uh, export, you know, emporium of Reddit, um, which is just nothing but negativity and nihilism. Which you know, I, I'm not particularly keen to that, but at the same time, it is refreshing to see just a nice, fresh order of nihilism all the dang time, just so I can you know partake in such things. Um, but yes, Husker Nation, I'm, I know a lot of you guys, uh, have watched Nebraska ball for, uh, uh, maybe a few games this season, but one game in particular was on the 1st of December where we played, uh, NC State in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, and it was an exciting game. It went into four overtimes, but... Nebraska ultimately lost 100 to 104, and if you watched the game like I did, you were probably furious, 
with the results as we could have won with a walk-off free throw by Alonzo Alonzo Verge. Um, is it Alonzo? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Alonzo. Holy yeah, Alonzo Verge. I, 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 as soon as I said it out loud, I haven't said his name out loud. I've only said his last name, so I was like, wait a second. Um, yeah, Alonzo Verge Jr., because the refs didn't call it a foul, as it should have been. He was clearly uh, getting fouled um, on his last-second layup, and they didn't call it, which ultimately led to the overtime show that we had to painfully witness. Um, and <laughs> immediately afterwards, the uh, Wikipedia Warriors the Wikipedia Warriors came out to uh, update Ted Valentine, which was the official of the game, <laughs> uh, which... If you don't know, Ted Valentine was a Big Ten ref for basketball for quite a few years, and he got let go from the Big Ten crew because of too many controversial games that he was a part of. And so uh, Wikipedia decided, or somebody went on Wikipedia and decided to uh, update his, his Wikipedia page, and they stated this. On December 1st, 2021, Valentine's crew was again embroiled in controversy in the Nebraska versus North Carolina State game in the Big Ten slash ACC Challenge game. The crew blew several game-changing calls and allowed a massive free throw discrepancy as North Carolina State attempted 42 free throws compared to Nebraska's 15 attempts. Their worst moment came at the end of regulation where Nebraska's Alonzo Verge Jr. drove down to the basket for a game-winning layup attempt. Replay shows an egregious foul that wasn't called, allowing the game to go into overtime. NC State had a 17-minute stretch in the second half. First overtime and second overtime where not a single foul was called on them. As the game was ending... Valentine was seen with his arms around NC State coach Kevin Keats while smiling at the results. It has since then been deleted, but <laughs> luckily a Redditor did screenshot it before it was redacted, and that pretty much summarized that game. It was a very frustrating game to watch for Nebraska ball, and it could have very well been a great win for Big Red, but alas, it didn't happen. And thank you, Reddit, for... Uh, being on the ball with this, um, no pun intended. Uh, but that's uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's my Reddit my Reddit rant of the day, I guess. Um, thank you, Reddit, for the for such beautiful uh, um, words. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, absolutely great. I've seen that screenshot of the picture of uh, of uh, Valentine. You know, basically. As I said in the last episode, he kind of was doing the old uh, Brookback Mountain hug around the neck of the NC State coach. So, uh, yeah, that sucked. That absolutely sucked. You know what? It. I don't know if it's just we play, tend to play the victim as Husker fans, but good God in heaven. It sure seems like referees in football and basketball don't tend to call things fairly. Um, and it's getting old. Maybe as we get better. In both of those sports, we'll start getting a little bit more of a fair shake. We'll see. Uh, but, yeah, that game sucked. I did see some highlights of some of those spots and, and fouls that weren't called, and it was just it was sad. Just the free throw discrepancy alone is is criminal. It really is. It's criminal. Yeah, and the, the I was just going to say the announcers. 
the announcers even highlighted it. They were like, nah, mm-hmm. that should have been called. Why aren't they calling this? Uh, there's something, something isn't right here if they, if then they showed like back to back instances where Nebraska's driving down, no foul call. NC State gets the ball, mm-hmm. they go down. Something less egregious happens, something pity patty, you know, nothing really all that, all that bad. Bang. Immediate they, whistle. Immediate whistle, foul, mm-hmm. they get free throws. And, and the announcers are like, wait a second, look back at this. How was that not a foul, but this was? That is mm-hmm. that is bad, bad refing right there. It's like, oh man, you know, mm-hmm. you know something's not right when the announcers are calling it that blatant. But let's let's move on to the last little segment of of this podcast, which we are sitting at about an hour and forty minutes. It's going to be a long one, folks. Um, but <laughs> we got a lot to talk about and uh, therapy. It is yeah. therapy. It is therapy. What do you got? What do you got for the closing segment, my my man? Well, much like you did at the beginning, where you perfectly summarized the season for 2021, I thought I would take just a few minutes at the end of the show and comment on two topics. Uh, number one, being our head coach Scott Frost, and the second topic I want to talk about for just a little bit is the fan base. Uh, as far as Scott Frost is concerned. I made the statement early on in this podcast that I am a Scott Frost apologist. I always have been. And from this day on, I can honestly say I am not always going to be. Because as a player, watching him play, I will always be on his side for what he accomplished here at NU. Because he performed. Lost two games in his entire career. And when it came down to crunch time and you needed to perform to make a difference in a season in which Nebraska was going for a national championship, namely against number three Washington up in Washington and then at Missouri when the Black Shirts had a really bad day and Scott Frost literally pulled a win out of his tailpipe <laughs> along with the <laughs> pass that happened to get kicked up into the air and Matt Davison caught. So as a player, as our quarterback back in 96, 97, I am always going to be a Scott Frost apologist. And I thought that fans in many ways treated him unfairly. However, as a coach up until probably the Minnesota game, he's also had my absolute 100% support defense and all that good stuff, the typical things that an apologist does, but not anymore. Uh, He does have my support. I will support him as a coach until he's fired or finally produces a winning season. But I'm done Mm. defending everything he does because most of the things he does in many cases really haven't been defensible. Mm. Um, We can move the ball between the 20s like nobody else. But we can't seem to win games. Uh, In my mind, he made four critical errors when the NU hired him. Number one, he was boastful about the Big Ten having to adjust to his system. And here we are four years later with the worst record we've had in a four-year span in decades. And he's been humbled, hopefully, by it. Number two, he obviously did not pay enough attention to special teams and game management. Holy cow, game management. End of game situations, calling the proper plays to help guys win games at the end. He's been bad at that. Uh, Brought an inexperienced, number three, brought an inexperienced group of five coaching staff with him. The defense, surprisingly, has worked out. We never would have thought that this defense would have only given up 22 points a game against that schedule 
this year. Mm. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Offense, <laughs> we would have never thought that they would have actually scored nearly 28 points a game and ended up three and nine. Number four, he waited way too long to cut offensive staff loose. Should have been done after 2019. He did it with Troy Walters, but I have a feeling he probably should have looked a little closer at what was going on in the running back room and the offensive line room and maybe moved on from those guys and Verdusco as well earlier. Might have made mm. the last two years much different. So from here, he now has a six-game runway to get things turned around. If he's three and three at the point where his uh, buyout drops to seven point five million, I think he gets fired, even mm. if those losses are close like this year. And even though I've been an apologist in the past, I will support him being fired if he's three and three, no matter what. Joseph is an associate head coach for a reason. Frost, I think, knew he needed a good guy to come in in case things go off the rails again, and I think Joseph is a pretty good candidate. Um, if he's 4-2 and two or better, I think he gets to stay until the end of 2022. And if we end up 7-5 and five or 8-4, and four, he should get another year. But if he's 4-2 and two at the halfway point and he ends up going 6-6, six and six, even though we're going to a bowl game, I think he needs to go. So that's my stance on Scott Frost. That's topic number one. Topic number two is the fan base. And I am going to preface this statement or these next few statements by saying I get it. Some of you are probably going to listen to this and go, stop the damn virtual signaling. And I don't care because I've had enough. I didn't want to be on Twitter, but I thought it would be a good idea for our show. And it has been. It has given us some listeners. We have gotten some traction. I've made some good friends. But there's an awful lot of shitheads on Twitter. And I just have a question. Can you just stop, please? The division between Husker fans on social media is almost implicitly reflective of our political polarization in this country. Doesn't it make sense? Unless you vote for X candidate that's on my side of the aisle, you're not a real American. And then the other side says the same damn thing. And now we're hearing it on the Husker fan base. Unless you believe Scott Frost is not the answer, you're really not a real Husker fan. Dear God, we're better than that, people. Can we stop poisoning each other and ultimately poisoning the psyche of this team? You know they see social media. And in fact, I think we treat other fan bases better than we do each other. Mm. I didn't, when we were at Iowa, Scott, did you see any mistreatment of Iowa, play, Iowa fans? No. I didn't. No. I saw courtesy. I saw, you know, appreciation for them being there and they never caught any crap. But by God, if you dare not agree with a anti-frost guy or a pro-frost guy, you're going to catch crap, especially on social media. So please, can we just stop? And can we also, while we're at it, stop publicly celebrating the departure of players that were polarizing, like Adrian Martinez? We're supposed to be the best fans in college football. It's written on our f***ing stadium, for God's sakes. And when you publicly celebrate a player's departure on social media where other players can see, and God forbid recruits can see, you're showing zero class. Plus, hey, you got your way. Adrian's gone. So please sit down and shut the f up and let these guys learn how to play with a new quarterback. 
Like it or not, these are facts. Recruits re- read this stuff. Players read this stuff. And the fan negativity on social media, in my mind, has a small impact on how games turn out. You don't think those guys read shit like, these guys can't figure out how to win. These guys suck at trying to figure out how to get things done in the fourth quarter, blah, 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 blah. And then sure enough, they're probably thinking that once that block punt happened against Iowa. I'm not blaming the fans for losing that game. Those kids did. They did it all on their own. (laughs) They're pretty good at it as our nine-loss season played out. But you can't tell me that that didn't hit the back of their minds. Because you're more concerned about being right than you are about being a good fan. And I think it's time we start sticking together through all kinds of weather. Team needs us. Coaches need us. What they don't need is our bullshit. And that's all I got. What do you think? That was very, very well said. Um, Lots of passion. Lots of fire. I like it. Um, One of the things that definitely stood out to me is is yeah well two things two things your your kind of uh hesitancy walking away from your apologistic type of uh, mentality towards frost i think that's probably smart um i would say that i'm in the same boat you are now um it was for me it was after the illinois game that i kind of started to pull the brakes on on my trust in frost um, just like I said about Martinez, I want nothing more than to see Frost succeed. Um, but at the same time, I am ready to move on if these things do not change. Um, yeah. And this going into this preseason for 2022 is going to be interesting for us as a second season of podcasting and how we're going to feel there. I remember when you and I were walking from the Iowa game, heading back to our car with our heads hung low, um, you you mentioned something. You were like, "God, God help me if going into next season I somehow find my way being optimistic." Um, it's <laughs> it's likely going to happen, but I just hope I just hope I can be uh, I can be a little bit more objective about it and. Uh, and that stuck with me because I was, that's kind of how I felt too. It's like I hope to God when we go into uh, this next season, my thought process is what small things can we do to see progress? I don't care like if it results in us being 6-0 and midway through the season. I just want to see progress. I want to see our offensive line look a little bit better. I want to see our our special teams look a little bit better. And I want to see Frost step back and just let the results prove themselves. Um, And if, if we don't see those things, then I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to move on. I am done. I am done being a Frost apologist. Uh, And I completely agree with, with your take on that. And then yes, with your, Second would be your comments toward the fan base. Damn, dude, you pissed. You mad. Um, <laughs> and, but I completely, I completely agree. There is a, there is an eerie similarity of the political climate that we see in the, U, the United States right now, and how it it 
it painfully reflects in the Husker fan base and the polarized binary ways of thinking that people get stuck in, that they think it's it's this way or this way. It's It can only be interpreted as X or Y. There's no other ways to look at it. There's no room for nuance. And I yeah. just... I just get so sick of it. You know, that's, you know, Reddit is, is like, it's like Twitter, but long formulated, you know, it's like, instead of saying it in 240 characters or less, they're writing long, long written out statements about how anybody could think anything different than their conclusion. And those things just get so sickening. And like you said, players see it. They're, they're freaking Gen Zers, man. They're on all forms of social media. I, I'm sure that they're mm-hmm. in, I'm sure that they're advised to stay away from it, but it, the human ego is a very, very temperamental thing. You can look to any area that you possibly can to get some sort of positive reinforcement, but the one bit of negative information that you see carries so much mm-hmm. more weight. You could have, you could see a hundred, like I'm sure Adrian Martinez can see a hundred compliments, but as soon as he sees something negative, that's what, that's what, what makes sleeping hard at night for him. Um, those yeah. are those things that make being a fan base really, really toxic and mm-hmm. social media and the algorithm and the way that clicks and ads get their revenue is indicative of negative negativity really um and we got to stop it we've got to stop it you know we sit on our podcast and we can we can criticize it i think podcasting is a perfect place to do it because you're you're speaking directly to essentially subscribers if you subscribe to our podcast you are willingly engaging in this in this episode that you're about to listen to where you're hearing real people speak from the heart with context Mm -hmm. but you go to twitter they're just they're just handles they're just usernames they're just anonymous people or prominent figures that are either saying it to get out some sort of vent that they need to vent to or it's some sort of thing that they have to say in order to uh keep their relevance in their profession you know, subs- you know, sustained. Right. Um, and dude, th- yeah, there's, I, I mean, we're only speaking to a handful of people here, like if, if we're being honest, but I hope to God that there are a few people that listen and they're like, yeah, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't tweet impulsively, or maybe I shouldn't go on Reddit or Facebook and, and speak so negatively. Um, I mean, I'll speak vaguely negatively. One of the, the most recent post that I made on Facebook in regard to Husker football was, why am I a Husker fan? No punctuation, <laughs> no nothing. Just, just why, let it sit. Yep. Why, why do I put myself through this? Um, <laughs> and, and that's, I think that's fine. I think that's fine. But it's when you go on to like Fox, you know, NCAA sports or whatever, and and you go in there and you say, Adrian Martinez is, is a piece of shit. And I'm so glad he's gone. Like the algorithm literally works to show you something that's either going to make you mad or put you in an echo chamber. And if Martinez right. is on Facebook, 
guarantee you that it's going to show him a feed of something that that has his name mentioned because that's literally how the algorithm works and so that you know i i can't really expand on that anymore you know there's nothing else to say we as a fan base have to do better um and i there's a there's a fine line between healthy criticism and just troll talk um and we got to find a better way to do it um yeah there's a balance there is a we need to find a balance and i know we've been critical on this podcast right we just you just talked about it a second ago we have we've we've not been afraid to get critical especially the illinois episode that one was just so painful uh but i don't think we've ever name called i don't think we've ever crap talked or belittled or or disparaged a player or a coach why would we that makes no sense number one we've never strapped on a helmet number two we've never put a coach's whistle around our neck so we literally have no authoritative slash knowledge base uh for our commentary we just see what we see and we feel what we feel and we share it and and i will be completely transparent there have been a couple of tweets i put out this year during a few games where i was extremely inflammatory i didn't call any names or i didn't do anything like and i pulled the chicken route and i deleted them because i didn't think it was appropriate and it wasn't a way a fan should conduct himself uh so i will admit that you know it's easy to tweet in the motion of the moment but once we got to about purdue (laughs) there wasn't a whole lot of emotion left watching the game it was just like yep here we go again you know and that's usually what i tweet here it is here we go again. Obligatory turnover. Insert here, you know, or something like that. But, um, but yeah, the vitriol, the anger, the vitriol, the the trolls, the people that chances are they're not even Husker fan. They're just throwing stuff out there because they know it's going to be seen and they know people are going to react. So to those of you out there who are the anti-frost or the pro-frost folks, you see something like that and it pisses you off. You've got two responses. You keep scrolling. Or you block. It makes life so much easier and so much less emotion involved in your time on social media. You keep scrolling or you block. One of the two is going to get you there. Wow, this is like our longest episode. Um, But yeah, guys, thanks for putting up with it. We'll see. Maybe it'll be a fully long episode or maybe we'll split it into two so you have a couple of things to listen to this week. We will see. But uh depends on how I feel as I get about halfway through editing and going, damn, we cussed a lot. <laughs> so, at least a dozen. Uh, yeah, at least. At least. At least. Well, geez, my last rant there about the fan base, I know I cussed more than I probably have all year. Uh, but uh, you guys are the best. We really appreciate y'all listening. Um, this has been... As crazy a season as anybody, you know, we said that on the way out of the stadium too. Holy hell, what a year to pick to start a podcast. Um, You know, you've got podcasts that I know of that I've been listening to for three years that are, they've got members that have dropped out and said, screw it. I'm not doing it. I can't do it. My heart can't take this anymore. Um, So, yeah, I get it. I completely get it because I'm sitting here going, I'm looking forward to January so I don't have to do this stuff every single week. We can just take some time off. But uh, 
Anyway, we've got one more podcast that we are planning to do before December ends, and that is going to be getting back together with the Husker Cuzcast to go over our over-under game that we played with them back in August. And if you have not heard that episode yet, strongly encourage you to go find it. So make sure you're subscribed to us on your favorite podcast app. Make sure you leave us a... We prefer a five-star rating and a positive review. If you can't do that, we understand, but it helps our show get found. Uh, You can also find us on the web. If you're not sure which podcast app you want to use and you're kind of new to this thing, just go to our website at genredpod.com where you can listen to the show right there in your browser. You can download it right to your computer or you can subscribe via a bunch of links to all the popular podcast apps. We're also on Facebook at genredpod slash genredpod.com and at genredpod on uh, Twitter. Yeah. Well, no, not genredpod.com on facebook that was stupid facebook.com slash genredpod don't mind me it's been a long day (laughs) and uh both of those spots you will be able to catch our live stream of the show that starts in january you can also catch that live stream at our youtube channel which is generation red live so do a search for that and if you want to be a part of six special live streams we will be doing in january february march as well as june uh, May, June, and July, you can do that by sending a request to be on the Big Red Roundtable to genrpodcast at gmail.com. Um, anything else you want to add, Scott, before we go? Nope. Thank you. If this is one episode, uh, thank you for sticking around for this long or at the very least pausing and then resuming the podcast to to just kind of split it up or whatever, or if it is two parts. Um, yeah, thank you guys for sticking with us for this first, uh, season of Generation Red. It's been a fun one to as whatever degree you can consider this fun. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you again. And shout out to my dad for doing all of the editing and all of the background work to make everything happen as it has happened. Um, you can thank my dad for everything that's 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 basically happened with the podcast. I've just been there to kind of just like do nothing aside, just be unreasonably uh, critical at times. Um, so it's <laughs> it's been uh, it's been a, it's been a fun ride. Hopefully, we get more than three wins next year. That'd be nice. Um, so we have a little bit more to talk about. God, it was so painful when I had to write out my uh, my little 2021 recap and realize, yep, the last win we had was Northwestern. What the f- um so yeah that's that's all i've got to say uh I, i'll just put this in now iowa's corn sucks it always will it will give you diarrhea and constipation <laughs> at the same time however that's possible and uh austin it is it sucks and if austin ever <laughs> listens to this podcast and god forbid he actually makes it two hours into a podcast uh thank you for uh for not talking to uh me i appreciate it um yeah. Oh yeah, that's your Iowa fan friend, right? Yep, yep. He didn't say anything. So uh so that was that was refreshing. That was the first year he hasn't uh <laughs> trolled my uh, Facebook page with uh <laughs> with Iowa sh- talk. He knew the so. pain. Yeah. He understood the pain. <laughs> yeah. Well, here you go. I've got a little bookend for you for, to end this episode. Something that uh I just thought of, believe it or not. Nebraska started off two thousand eighteen. Scott Frost, first year's head coach, 0-6. And then they concluded 2021, 0-6. Ouch. But we were so close. 
<laughs> so Aren't close. you tired of hearing that? I just like to see us get over that hump. And uh, who knows, maybe some new faces in the coaching booth, in the coaching staff, as well as some new faces, preferably at quarterback and a couple of other spots will help us as well. Anyway, he's Scott. I'm Ken. Together, we're the Generation Red Podcast. We truly appreciate you all listening. And uh, until next time, remember, I was corn, as Scott so eloquently put it, fucking sucks. And there is absolutely no place like Nebraska, except on Twitter. Kind of sucks there. Go Big Red. Go Big Red. This podcast is not associated in any official capacity with the University of Nebraska or the Cornhusker football team. All opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts alone and are intended for entertainment purposes only. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Stay sweet and salty and go Big Red. <laughs>